What's up, Exchange? How are y'all? Y'all look good, and y'all came with the gas prices doing what they're doing right now. And it's spring break. You know what? I'm super glad to see y'all. So my name is Tay, like, I, like they said, and my, I'm the spiritual development coach here at The Exchange. It just means that if you got questions about the Bible, I can usually point you in the right direction. I'm not an encyclopedia, but I like to know. I think I know a thing or two, so you know if you got questions, you can always come see me. But we are in our last week, like they said, of our relationship series. And I heard a collective, aww. Because y'all, y'all just want more and more and more. But you know what? I came to give you just a little, little drop of more. So I think when we think about relationships, and especially in all this relationship talk we've had, the first thing we think about is our romantic relationships. You know, when I was single, I'm married now, but when I was single, I was thinking, you know, do I have a boyfriend? What's this guy think about me? I hope he calls me. You know what I mean? Like... I know y'all be doing it. But there's other types of relationships, right? There's relationships with our coworkers, our boss, our, our, fr- our family, our little sisters, you know? A very important relationship type that most of us have, even if we don't have romantic relationships, is friendships. So today I want to talk to you guys a little bit about that type of relationship. And when we think of our friends, some of us have a very long list of friends. And that's great for you. I love that for you. I'm in florals. I'm a florist. And so when I do wedding consultations with brides and they're like, um, I'm like, how many bridesmaids do you have? And a bride's like 14. I'm like, girl, 14? Some of y'all over here in the back, y'all like, I don't even like that many people. We're praying for that section of the room. But it's okay. Yeah, I'm like, that's crazy. I don't have that many friends. But, you know, some of us have a very long list. Some of us have a short list. When I was in college, I had a very tight-knit group of friends. There were six of us, and we were always hanging out. If we weren't in class, you could find us eating together. We would hang out in the room together. We would get yelled at by the RAs together. It was great. Um, A couple of us, you know, kept going in school and and graduated, but a couple of us unfortunately had to end early. And so as we started dropping out of college, so did our friend group. It was really sad. Like we started to break and I was one of the ones who had to come home, unfortunately. And when I left college and I came back home to live with my parents, I was kind of expecting to fall back in with the high school homies. So I was like, they're probably still around, you know? But when I came back home, nobody was there. It was like they either went off to college like I did, or some of them started families right out of high school, and it just wasn't the same. I was thinking that all my high school buddies would be there, but they weren't. And I realized that making friends as an adult is hard. It is hard out here in these streets. It was so much easier in high school when y'all all had the same classes, you had the same activities, you saw each other at the exact same time every day. But as adults, we have to be more intentional if we want to have fruitful friendships. And because making friends is difficult, right, I think we can have the tendency to slip slide into however we can see that there's people our age, right? We can slip slide into making friends, maybe not the best way so that we don't have to feel lonely and left out. Now, left to our own devices, if we don't seek wisdom about how to make friends, we just go with what the culture says. And the culture can tell us so many different things about friendship. Culture tells us, you know, friends are who you have a good time with and that who you go through thick and thin with. Like, there's so many theme songs and friend shows about all these friends who are so quirky and awesome together. I mean, like, that's so great and all, but, like... But sometimes in the middle of that, like, we get caught up in these other things. Like, culture can tell us the way to make friends is by going out and getting drunk and partying. And a lot of the times, we can be fooled into thinking that those people are our friends. 
We think because we hold a drink in our hand together and we spend time together and we laugh and we chuckle and whatever that those are our friends. But a lot of the times, those aren't people who are actually concerned with you being there. They want a body there, but not necessarily your personality there. They want someone to drink with, somebody to smoke with, somebody to be there, but that body doesn't necessarily have to be you. You can tell that they're your party friend if they don't know anything about you. They don't hit you up outside of the dark. They don't hit you up aside from what's going on, what's happening tonight, where are we going? And this isn't an anti-drinking message, right? I don't want you guys to think I'm coming for your drinks. But what the real question is like, do you, why, what's the reason that you may need a drink to hang out with these people? Like, are they actually not interesting? And you're like, I need to be lubricated to hang out with this person. <laughs> That's not a good reason to drink. <laughs> if this, if the whole friendship, if the whole friendship goes by, right? And you can barely remember it because you've been blackout drunk the entire time you guys have been friends. That's a huge friendship red flag. Do you have a real relationship for that person or do you both have a love for alcohol or a love for smoking and you, that love brings you together? Culture tells us that we can have fun doing things that aren't fruitful for us. Something else that's not fruitful for, fruitful for us may be complaining all the time. You know, we get together and as a server, I've said this many times, I know as a server we like are very nice. They're the best actresses and actors you've ever seen. If you haven't worked in the service industry, just know this, that they'll go out and they'll be nice and then they'll go back and they'll complain. But there's also like, there's other things like girls will sit in the mall and they'll sit and talk about people as they walk by. They're like, let's get Starbucks and talk about the people at the mall. Let's people watch. That's stupid. Let's talk about their bodies. Let's talk about their looks. Let's talk about how they, how they did their hair today. That is not a fruitful way to spend your time. Guys, y'all not immune either. Y'all go to the gym and you're like, why that guy's built weird? Why is he lifting like that? What exercise? I ain't never seen that in my life. You know, some friendships can be very surface level. If that's all y'all talk about, all y'all talk about is people, that's a friendship red flag. Some friendships can be very surface level, but they can also be very one-sided. And I wish someone would have told me this earlier because I spent a lot of years, years of my life with friends who didn't know a single thing about me, but I knew everything about them from the toothpaste they used to what they conditioned their hair with to what boy they talked to three months ago. And they didn't know a single thing. Like if you asked them my favorite color, they probably couldn't answer you. And I'm, at the end of that, I'm saying years, they didn't know me at all. And I didn't let go of those people because I was afraid of being lonely. And I bet, I bet some of us, we can feel that. We've got that person that just hangs out because we don't want to be lonely. Culture tells us also that if someone offends you, then you just cut them off. There's no grace. There's no conversation. There's no, like, there's no talk about it at all. It's just cut off. Surface level friendships avoid conflict to appease the other person and give this illusion of a good friendship when it's really very fake and fragile. So when God created us for community, I don't believe that this was his intention for friendship. And you might be wondering, but like, okay, if that's not how we're supposed to do it, like, does the Bible talk about it? I hear you. I'm going to answer you. So in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 10, the Bible says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone and falls and has not another to lift him up. So what do we get from this verse? First, it says two are better than one because they have good reward for their toil. Toiling means work. 
It means that your friends should be able to work with you, to build, build your relationship with God, build towards your goals, build for you to get stronger, build into a better version of yourself. Yesterday, we were having a, a prayer team meeting, and it was great, and we had a lot of good fellowship there, but one of the leaders there shared a story. Her name is Gabby. Gabby was just up here. If you don't know Gabby, she's great. Get to know her. But Gabby and Sydney were in a little, they were in a small group together. This was before Gabby started serving, and, and, and Sydney, being the great small group leader that she is, she's also great. You guys should definitely meet Sydney. She was like, you know what? We should get together, do some things together. We, let's read this book together. It's The Purpose Driven Life. And so they got together and they read this book and they toiled together. They grew. And that pushed Gabby to be able to serve in a new capacity. Gabby started serving and she started building and she discovered new purpose for her life. So take a minute to look at your friends and see, do you have somebody who might be willing to toil with you? who might be able to get dirty with you, who might be able to maybe dig up some weeds in your life so that you might grow a little bigger, a little stronger, a little better? Think, are you that person who pushes your friends to do that? Or are you just waiting for somebody to pour into you and you're not willing to toil with other people? To think, to think when people leave you, right? They should feel blessed, they should feel great, they should feel invigorated. While we don't wanna have draining people in our lives, we think about that all the time, reflect and think, am I the draining person? Am I being a good friend to people who I want to be friends with me? So the next, person of the, the next portion of the verse says, for if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. So it's important that we have friends that can lift us up when we fall and not necessarily friends just to be around or friends to take us into darker spaces. I know that if I call certain ones of my friends complaining and I'm just like crying, I'm having a bad day, then they'll, they'll stop, they'll listen to me, they'll you know, be like, oh, that stinks, but like they'll stop and give me the bigger picture. They'll be like, okay, Tay, like, let's really look at what's going on. Maybe you're feeling emotional right now. Maybe that isn't the best response. Or if they don't have a response, then they'll sit and pray with me. But I've also had friends in the past, especially when I wasn't following with Jesus, who would hear those same complaints and go, well, that stinks, let's go smoke, so you don't have to think about it anymore. Well, that stinks, let's just go get a drink, because like, that's easier than dealing with it. Is that the best plan of action? Like to reach for a substance when you're feeling emotional? To take your mind off things? We have to be wary of these friends because it's so easy to get caught up in sin, especially when you're emotional, especially when you're not sober in mind, and especially when you mix those two together. You can't make good decisions. The last part of the verse says, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. It's definitely tough being alone when you're going through something. And I think a lot of us, especially when we're going through that lonely season, we can look at other people who have all these friends and get jealous, especially on Instagram or on TikTok. You see this compilation of like best friend goals or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it can get very lonely, especially when you're in the lonely place and you're like scrolling through social media and you see that. But oftentimes we might be in good company to have these types of friendships, but we are scared to open up. It's something the Lord's been growing me personally in, and I constantly am telling my small group this. I'm like, guys, I'm not good at this, but I'm trying. Are you, are you putting yourself in woe because you refuse to be vulnerable? I'm speaking to everyone, right? The guys, especially you. I've spoken to the male small group leaders. They be like, some of my guys, they be locked up like this. They're not trying to talk. You know, no one 
can lift you if they don't know that you've fallen. You have to let somebody know when you're falling because they can't just hear it from a mile away and be like, I hear someone has fallen. Let me go save them. You have to open up. I don't know if anybody's seen these commercials they used to play all the time for Life Alert. Y'all ever seen them commercials? I've fallen and I can't get up. So if you haven't seen the Life Alert commercial, it's this necklace that like they give to older people and like if they fall in their house and they live by themselves, they hit the button and then someone comes to rescue them and like lift them up from the floor. If you hit your Life Alert button, who's coming? If you hit it, is the friend coming with a bottle like, yeah, let's party? Or is someone coming with a Bible to your rescue when you fall? If you don't have those people you can be vulnerable with, I challenge you to get in a small group, okay? Get in a small group and get with people who are chasing after Jesus so that they can come and lift you when you've fallen. And the key is that you have to open up and participate. You can't just go into the small group and expect by osmosis that you will receive friends. You have to participate. Even if you don't tell them every single detail of your life, every little crook and crevice and every single thing you've done. I'm not asking you to confess all your sins to everybody in the small group, but you have to let them in a little bit to your situation so they might be able to lift you. Other than a small group, there's other places you can meet friends, you know? Put yourself in places that you might meet other like-minded people. But it but you have to think, right, when you put yourself in these places, is, is this a place that I might find flourishing, growing, positive friends? I'm in this club. You think I'm going to find some friends here that want to bring me a Bible and lift me up when I've fallen? I don't think so. Then maybe you think, maybe I don't need to look for my friends there, but maybe I don't even need to be there in the first place. We also can't be afraid to be the first person to reach out. And I know that I can have the tendency to, to feel like I don't want to tell anybody until they ask. I know that I've been hurt in the past by trying to express my emotions to people and they have not responded in the right way. So then my defense mechanism is to lock it up. I'm just going to lock it all up until someone asks for it to be open. Um, and that's not the way to make friends either. Sometimes we have to take the first couple steps. Sometimes we have to open up first. If we are a group of people who are just all waiting for somebody else to magically invite them somewhere, everyone will just continue to be lonely. Now, you shouldn't carry the whole relationship on your back the entirety of the time you guys are friends, right? But sometimes you have to take the first step and make specific plans, not this, we should hang out sometime, and then you never hang out. Like, pull out your calendar and schedule it, okay? So godly friendships are intentional. They're honest. They're real. And if you call yourself a Christ follower, you should be praying for each other and celebrating each other. All prayer requests don't have to be about somebody being sick or something bad happening. That is great to bring to the throne, and obviously we should continue to bring those. But you should also be able to celebrate with each other. And then there's this other thing that happens where, like, sometimes trials might come in our friendships. Sometimes bad things happen in our friendships. Sometimes your friends tick you off a little bit, and you don't have to tell them about themselves. Now, earlier I talked about how the culture tells us to handle that. They're like, man, somebody made me mad. Snip. Cutting them off immediately. But that's not how the Bible tells us to do it. Proverbs 27, 5 to 6 says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. 
Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. And this verse is telling us that it's better for our friends to call us out than for our fake friends to feed us empty compliments. You aren't really being a friend if you see your friend heading for danger and you're just like, close your eyes. You see them making poor choices and you're like, well, I don't want to hurt their feelings, so I'm just not going to say anything. That doesn't help anybody. <laughs> I had this experience recently with a friend. She came to me and she was like, man, I was hanging out with this person. And like, she had hung out with this person several times. And she was like, every time we hang out, like, you know, we do things I don't like. And then the next day I regret it and all this. And I was like, girl, maybe like you shouldn't hang out with that person. She did not like that. She didn't like it. But that's the thing. They're not always going to like it. There's a lot of things that happen in life in order for us to grow, in order for us to be better, that are painful. If you break your arm and the doctor has to reset it, it's painful to break, but it's also painful to heal. It's painful to reset. But are you going to be a friend who lets your friend heal broken or heal improperly because you don't want to reset their arm and cause them pain? We have to be willing to get uncomfortable with our friends so that they can also grow. In order to be a follower of Christ and be a friend, we have to speak the truth in love to our friends. Being a follower of Christ means living in the tension between grace and truth. I'm sure some of you have heard this before, but this is how we have conflict in conversations. You know, let's say, for example, that you have a friend, right? And they have trouble paying their rent. And they're like, man, rent sucks. It's so expensive because it is in Tampa right now. It's doing a lot. <laughs> and they're like, um, it's hard for me to pay my rent. And you're like, bro, that stinks. But like then the next day you see them like with a bag from Prada and another bag from Gucci. And you're like, eh, well, maybe you should like be better with your finances. But this is an all truth conversation. This is how you have that conversation with a friend. 100% truth. Well, maybe you could pay your rent if you aren't so irresponsible with your finances. That's not the way the Bible tells us to do it. On the other side, there's all grace, which is like, you deserve to treat yourself. Working is so hard, and life is so difficult, and you deserve nice things, and rent is stupid anyway. Complete grace. No truth in there. You're just going to let that person go homeless because you're going to let them keep buying shoes, right? There's somewhere in the middle that we can have conversations where we come to our friends in truth and love, and something like that would look like, hey, bro, hey, dude. I know those shoes are super nice and they're great, like they're dope, I would want them too. But like, I don't know if it's the most responsible thing for you to be doing with your finances right now. Um, you already have 18 pairs of Jordans and like you're adding another pair and I just don't know if that's the smartest. Um, how about we together figure out like a solution because I'm your friend and I don't wanna see you go homeless. So how about we, you know, put a couple of shoes up for auction or how about we come up with a budget together and I can even like, we can have like a budget challenge plan together. Like when you're a true friend, you're able to challenge your friend to grow to the next level and they might be upset with you that you don't want them to get the new shoes, but like, you have to choose between being a real friend to them or being a false person who's going to just feed them empty false praises. Yeah. So you might be wondering at this point, Tay, you've been talking a lot about God. Of course, why would I not? Anyways, do all my friends have to be Christian? And I would tell you to look in the Bible because that's always where I point people because that's the best place to go. I'm just saying, if you've never been there, you should try it. 
So Jesus was the one guy that you should totally look at, especially when it comes to friendships, because he talked to a lot of people. And he was very countercultural in this way, because in the culture, there were a lot of people that Jewish people didn't interact with, they didn't talk to uh, ethnically, um, or because they lived their lives different. But Jesus was a person who went and ate with people like tax collectors, right? So in the Jewish time, they didn't like tax collectors because... They collected taxes, but then on top of the taxes, they was like, let me take a little something from myself. So they collected, like, extra money on top of the taxes. So they basically just, like, robbed the Jews, and they didn't like that. So um, nobody liked the tax collectors, but Jesus ate with them. But at no point do you see Jesus also collecting taxes, Right? You see Jesus talking to prostitutes. You see Jesus talking to people who live different lifestyles than him. But at no point, can you imagine seeing Jesus on the corner like, hey, I found you a customer. No, Jesus wasn't actively participating in that specific sin, but he was like an innocent, he would have been like an innocent bystander at that point. Gray area, yeah, definitely stay away from that. But the thing is, we don't have to be 100% friends with people who are only Christians, right? Our, our commission, the Great Commission, is to reach the, and save the lost, right? So in order to save the lost, we have to be friends with them. Like, we can't just expect to be like these sidewalk preachers who yell at people and then everyone's gonna, like, come to Christ. Like, that's not exactly how that's gonna work. Um, we have to develop relationships with people. But we look at Jesus again. He had 12 disciples, and we would call his 12 disciples his small group. His small group were the people who he did life with. He brought his, his, if he had prayer requests, you know, he would bring them to his small group. Um, and they were the people who was like closest to him, that he did life with, that he hung out with on the most regular basis. And then in his inner circle, Jesus had three people. He had Peter, he had James, and he had John. So out of his 12 disciples, he had three that were his inner circle, the people he let see the most of him. So there's levels of friendships, right? There's the people we eat with, we hang with, but we don't participate in whatever extracurricular things they might be doing, right? We have our small group, the people we share our lives with, but then we have our inner circle who speak into your life, who should be bringing you to the cross when you have problems, who should be praying for you, who should be rejoicing with you, who should be crying with you. Those are the levels of friendships. But you might think like, hey, I hear you saying this, but like, I have a really strong faith. Like, Someone who doesn't believe in Christ, they can be my best friend because my faith is strong enough to handle that. Well, the Bible addresses that in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 15, 33, it says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. So I'm going to show you guys a visual representation of this. I'm going to ask my brother to come up wherever Brian is. Y'all give it up for Brian. So as you can see, Brian is taller than me and stronger than me, even though he's my little brother. He's not littler than me anymore. So Bryant, let's say, he accepted Jesus, and he's like, I want to live for Jesus. I want to do more things with him. I, I, I want to leave my old life behind, and he takes a step closer to Christ, and he's like, I'm going to start changing my life. I decided that I make bad choices when I drink. I, I want to be, I want to have relationships with women that is not, uh, that is not toxic. I want to be a healthier dude. And so I decide I'm not, Brian decides he's not going to drink anymore. But me being the bad company I am, I come around and I'm like, well, psh, that Jesus thing is cool and all. But like, as for me, I didn't say I was going to stop drinking. But as you can see, Brian has no one else around him to support him. He has no other community. 
And I'm just gonna be like, you know, Brian, we should go out and drink. You know, Brian, we should, we should go out and party. We should go out and hang. And Brian's like, no, and he's resisting me. And I'm like, come on, Brian, it's gonna be so much fun. And in a moment of weakness, I pull him down so easily. He is a lot stronger in his faith. He is a lot physically stronger than me. But when, he's, when I'm bad company and I wanna pull him down, it's so hard for him to resist. So let's say that Bryant like comes to Jesus again. He's like, I repent. God, I'm sorry. I got drunk. I didn't mean to. And then Bryant still don't have any other friends. And so I come back around as bad company always does. And I'm like, all right, Bryant, I'm not drinking anymore. Lame. So let's go do something sober like the gym. Let's go to the gym. So we go to the gym and me and Brian are working out and I start talking about people. I'm like, man, look at that guy. He can't lift. Look at that girl. She's short. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, short girls. I love y'all. And I'm just talking trash, like just empty trash. And Brian's like, you know what? I said I didn't want to talk about people anymore. You know, I said that God says that I should, I should speak truth and I should speak life. And I'm like, Brian, it's really not that big of a deal. And he's resisting me right now, but like he ends up talking about somebody. It is way easier for me to pull him into my bad situation than for him to pull me up. So Brian, get back close to Jesus. He prays, he, he, he's, he repents, and then he's like, you know what? This friend is terrible. I want to bring them close to Jesus. He cannot bring me up into his situation. If I'm not willing to go up, it is so much easier for me to bring him down than it is for him to bring me up. Bad company corrupts good morals. Thank you. Y'all give it up for Brian. There's another verse in Proverbs. It's Proverbs 22, 24 to 25, and it says, Make no friendship with a man given to anger. Nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. When we let our closest friends be the ones who entangle us in a snare, the people who are closest to us are the people who pull us down into bad situations. It's so easy for us to get, it wrapped, get wrapped up and snared ourselves. We may have friends right now who at some point, they were great. They were supportive. They were helpful. But maybe we've reached a point where we're no longer going in the same direction. I wanna ask you a question about your friends. Are you currently holding on to a past version of someone in hopes that they will return to being that supportive friend? And they may not. Not every friendship was meant for every season of your life. Sometimes you outgrow people who are there for you at some point and you're in a point now where you, you have to grow past them. Are you hanging on to expired friendships out of fear? Fear that you might be alone, or fear that it might be hard for you to find friends again, or fear that they might talk about you when you guys stop being friends. It might be time to speak some truth and love to that person and say, you know what? It's, it's time for me to, I need to be better. And I would love for you to be better with me, but if you can't, then this is the time we part ways. If you are in a challenging place with your friends and you don't have any friends because you just moved here or because you recently lost some friends or literally for whatever reason, I want you to know that you are not alone. I am constantly talking to people in this room who feel like they want more friends, who feel like they wanna hang out, who feel like they want community. 
So don't be afraid to invite someone to hang out. And if on the flip side, if you're looking at your friend group, if you're thinking right now, I don't have anybody I can build with. All the people around me are just kind of floating off into anywhere, and I need some people I can build with. I challenge you to evaluate your friendships and see how they match up to God's call of how we need to do friendships. I want to pray over you guys right now. God, I thank you so much for everybody in this room under the sound of my voice. I pray over their relationships right now, God, that you would give them eyes to see and discernment to see who is growing them and who is growing weeds in their garden, God. I pray that you would show them the steps that they need to take to be better, the steps that they need to take to build better relationships, and the steps that they need to take to get closer to you. I thank you for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.